and six always. That's, that's for the culture. What's the word, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. We're on issue five. However, this is volume three of a little mini series we got going called They Got Next. Today, we're looking at the Southeast Division. Either way, happy Friday, first of all. As September rolls by, you all know what that means. We're ever, ever, ever closer to getting back to seeing some NBA basketball. So, as you all probably know, unless this is your first time on the show, first of all, welcome. My name is Danilo Jose De Hoya. I'm the host slash the, the only person on this podcast. We always start every episode with what I like to call the take of the day. So, the take of the day for this issue is Kyle Kuzma shows he still has bits of the X-Factor gene as he averages career highs and begins to make a case for being the second option on the Wizards. Now, I know a lot of people have fallen off the Kyle Kuzma hype train. I would also kind of throw myself in that boat because I think a lot of us, we love the idea of Kyle Kuzma. You know, a guy who almost averaged 20 points per game, summer league MVP, NBA champion. However, with recent years, his whole narrative and just his whole reputation as an NBA player has been kind of not necessarily slandered, but I think has definitely been not as good as it once was when he was perceived as his, you know, next guy up. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's had to change his role a lot throughout his tenure in LA. Because of that, I don't think he's been able to establish, you know, a super solid rhythm year to year just because first couple years he went from being a guy that's getting, you know, a loss and lots of minutes, lost in shots to when, you know, the sheriff LeBron came to town, he really had to buy into his role. However, I don't necessarily think he's too, too mad at that considering he got a ring out of it. But yeah, I think with this new opportunity in Washington, Kyle Kuzma has a chance to be not only just have an impact, but I think to have one of the biggest impacts because with this team, obviously Bradley Beal is your go-to guy. He's your Giannis. He's your LeBron. He's your, or actually, I don't even know if I'd really consider LeBron the first option because of AD, but either way, he's one of like the top scorers in the league. Literally went toe-to-toe with Curry up until the last few games. He doesn't necessarily have a number two. He doesn't have John Wall anymore. He's coming into a position where he's the guy now. He's not the second option. So I believe Kyle Kuzma, God willing, has the potential to maybe resurrect his career a little bit. And if everything were to go perfect, everything goes great, I think he shows that he can be the second option. However, or not necessarily however, but at the tip of it, I think there's some guys in the league where, you know, they peaked later in their career. They're not these guys that came in like full steam ahead. Second, they turn like 20. They're these God tier players that are just making their names known. And either way, sorry, getting off track there. But... There are a lot of players, and I think Kuzma could be next in that line of, you know, guys that had good promising starts and maybe kind of fell a little flat after that. Like, for example, Kyle Lowry didn't make an all-star game until he was 28. I'm not saying Kyle Lowry is anywhere near like Kyle Kuzma because Kyle Lowry is miles ahead of Kuzma. But, you know, Kyle Lowry is an example of a player who put it together later in his career. For all my Bucks fans, Cash Money Middleton made his first game or first all-star game at 27. I believe that Kyle Kuzma can be someone who's, you know, Chris Middleton-esque, however, without the efficiency, because Chris Middleton almost shot 50-40-90, and I don't know if Kuzma will ever shoot that good. Either way, you know, more of the story. I think Kyle Kuzma needed to get away from the Hollywood lights, and this fresh start is going to be exciting to watch. With that, I'll give that a... Guaranteed! 
Alright, so from here we're going to go into a little intermission right before we get into the meat of the podcast. So for this issue, issue 5, as I mentioned earlier, it's a part of this little mini-series we're doing called They Got Next. This is volume 3. We're looking at the Southeast Division. So, the teams included here are the Orlando Magic, the Miami Heat, the Charlotte Hornets, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Washington Wizards. I think these are both, are all teams that have a promising future or are sort of in a win-now mode. I think particularly with the Miami Heat and the Washington Wizards and going to be exciting to see all of them. I think they're all teams with X-Factors, young players, veterans that everybody loves, except maybe if you're Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> but all jokes aside, I think the Southeast Division is another one of those uh, groups where all these teams have really bright futures or are in their quote-unquote bright future right now, and it's going to be exciting to see how it all pans out. With that, let's go into our first team, the Orlando Magic. Now, with the team who has the coolest pinstripe jerseys of all time, I see the Magic's core as Wendell Carter Jr., Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Chuma Okiki. Would also throw Jonathan Isaac in there. However, with him coming off an injury as well as somebody like Markel Fultz, I think their future is very, not necessarily up in the air, but there's a little uncertainty shrouded in there, I would say. Now, let's get into the players I think are going to pop off. For here, I picked two guys. First one, I think, will be or potentially will be the only rookie just because these guys are entering their first league. So I don't know if they can, I don't know if you can necessarily apply that pop off label when you don't have any NBA numbers to really go off of. But I think Jalen Suggs in most other drafts would go number one. He's coming in with lots of chips on his shoulders, you know, losing out on the perfect season on the very last game and as well as going lower than he expected. When I was watching the draft, I think his body. Language indicated that he was very surprised that Scotty Barnes got picked. But either way, I remember watching Jalen Suggs during the March Madness tournament. UCLA was the team I was going for, so it was kind of shitty that he had to hit the shot of the tournament on them. But I can't deny that was a pretty nice game winner. I think with Jalen Suggs, I believe he will win the starting role. Or at least will come off the bench a bit and then take over. Either way, I think Jalen Suggs is going to be one of the best guys from this draft class. And up next, the other player I picked to pop off, I got Wendell Carter Jr. He's coming into a new situation, could be what he needs to get to that next level. With their roster right now, I consider him to be the starter. Could potentially develop into a top option as well. He's going to get all the minutes he wants because Orlando's in rebuild mode. They're not really playing for anything except maybe a draft pick. So all those young guys better be ready to run because I think they're getting a lot, a lot, a lot of run in order to just gel this team together and kind of gear them up for this next few years as they try to rebuild their team into potential playoff contention and maybe even champion contention. Who knows? So the players I picked a slump, I got Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, and Jonathan Isaac. With Cole and Markel, Jalen Suggs instantly propels himself to garnering major minutes. You know, I think Cole Anthony could flourish as a six-man but could potentially be discouraged by it just because it's still a second year. So he's still, I would... I would say very unsure of where his place is in the league. Obviously, he probably believes he could be a starter. But I think on this team specifically, he'd be better as a six-man. I think Markel Fultz could be another good bench option. Numbers would take an obvious dip, though, with his injury and potentially reduced role. I'm somebody who's... I'm very high on Markel Fultz. I think it's really shitty what happened to him and, like, just his bad luck overall. But I think coming back this year, I'm excited to see him play. However, I would say he's going to struggle. 
Same thing with Jonathan Isaac, another guy I'm really high on. 2K legend, if you know, you know, this dude used to always win DPOY, even though he only averaged like 11 points, even though it's not really part of that. But yeah, I think Jonathan Isaac, again, he hasn't played basketball since the bubble. And even though when the Bucks won, it wasn't even a year since, I think he's coming off of not playing basketball for, damn, like a year and a bit. And I think with somebody that's 6'11 and plays the wing position, he's somebody that's going to have to have very good knees. And I, I don't know if he's got those, but nah, for real. I'm so, again, I'm somebody who's high on Jonathan Isaac. I think he's a good defensive stopper. And he's some guy I can see getting a lot of minutes in the crunch time, as well as being a good closer just because of his defensive capabilities. Now, the people I think are going to be traded. I got Mo Bamba, Markel Fultz, and RJ Hampton. RJ Hampton obviously came through the Aaron Gordon trade, but again, I think this team's got a lot, a lot, a lot of young guards. You got Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton. Now, in theory, all four of those guys could be your starters and your bench guards. However, I think with them all being young guys, they're obviously going to want to see how far they could go. They don't want to necessarily buy into the bench role yet, you know, unless you're on a championship team, which obviously the Orlando Magic aren't. How I put it was, these are all guys that could have higher aspirations than what their role would be on this team. Mobamba would obviously be a backup center. Markel Fultz, I think, is up in the air depending on how he comes back because he technically is the starter. RJ Hampton, I think, is just in a kind of voodoo right now because I really don't see him being on this team long-term, again, just with all the guard depth. But if I were to trade them, I'd get draft picks or vets that could mentor. So with that, let's head over to just across the pond in Florida, I think. I don't know. I don't know my geography in Florida, but we got the Miami Heat. Now, with the Heat, pound for pound, I would say they had the most disappointing season. They're literally a year and a bit removed from being in the NBA Finals. And obviously, with last season, they got knocked out first round and a sweep at that. I believe the Miami Heat also got the biggest fish in free agency, which is obviously Kyle Lowry. You know, it's not every day that you get a player that's considered the best player from a franchise, which I believe Kyle Lowry is the best Raptor personally even though I love Compton. Regardless, as it is now, I would consider their core to be Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Buckets, Duncan Robinson, and I'd throw Tyler Hero in there as well. This is a team that's gonna have a lot of shooting as well as a lot of grit, a lot of grindiness. I'm excited they're led by my Pinoy brother, Eric Spolstra. Let's get into who I think is gonna pop off. So here, I got Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Bam. I know, this is really weird from other episodes. I'm just kind of picking whoever, but, or not necessarily whoever, but I'm picking more than one. Duncan Robinson, going to play to the value of his new contract. And I think he'll get a lot of open shots from double teams because you got literally three guys who could be top options, obviously with Bam, Kyle Lowry, and Jimmy. Duncan Robinson is probably one of the really nice success stories because I believe with his new contract, he's became the highest paid undrafted player, if I'm not wrong. But either way, it's always nice to see those underdog stories, you know, bear fruits that are really, really, really nice fruits. You know, the tone of $90 million nice. But either way, Duncan Robinson, he's another guy who, you know, I'm really high on. He can sometimes be a sleeper in fantasy, but he only really gets you points. That's okay. Tyler Hero. He's another guy who I think is in a six-man mole. Could still be a starter potentially. However, Duncan Robinson is the guy who starts at the two primarily. Tyler Hero is someone I think could still have a really solid impact. I believe he, again, could be another guy who's in that six-man mold for the year. 
probably will be his role. But either way, I think the big thing with him is that, you know, I think a lot of people, it's kind of like a Kyle Kuzma effect in a way, buying into the culture of Miami in terms of being a celebrity, that's not necessarily bad. However, you know, sometimes shit, bro. You just got to focus on balling. He hasn't been doing that. But Tyler Hero, I think, is someone that's coming in with a chip on his shoulder because he's become sort of a meme in the league, I've, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen. Tyler Hero, not just a Jack Harlow song, still has potential to be a really good, solid player in the league. Last but not least for popping off, I got Bam. I think he's going to have a really good bounce back year. Actually, not even necessarily a bounce back here because you could argue that he was a snub for the All-Stars and he's coming off a gold medal. So I think those two hand in hand is really going to propel Bam to have a really good season. And I would not be surprised if not necessarily that all three of the Miami stars are going to get All-Star selections. However, I would not be surprised if they're all all three of them are in contention with that. Let's get into what I think is going to slump. So the slump pick is a bit of a cop-out. I have Oladipo here, signed to a vet minimum, but that's mainly prime... <laughs> Not mainly primarily. That's primarily because he's going to focus on rehabbing. However, could be scary playoff time if he's feeling good. You know, to people who maybe started watching ball the past couple years, they kind of missed the twilight. Not twilight, the peak of Victor Oladipo's career. All defensive teams, all-star selections being the guy in Indiana. not this, I don't think he'll ever get back to that uh, level, unfortunately. I think he still has the opportunity to be a really, really solid player in the league. I think he could have a bit of a spark. However, obviously with this year, not necessarily a write-off, but it's pretty clear that he's focused on rehabbing and not necessarily caring about his money right now. So for the player I think could be traded, I've got KZ Okpala here. He's coming off an Olympic appearance, and it's just another example of a guy who could be looking for greener pastures. He's somebody I think would flourish on a rebuilding team just because I think he wants to get a lot of runs. Not necessarily going to be able to get that in Miami with all the wings that he's playing behind, as well as young guys like you know Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, even though Casey Paul is <laughs> younger than him. I think all these guys that played in the Olympics, I'm very excited to watch just because playing in the Olympics, again, that, that only happens every four years, even with like... I think it was two years. I don't know. But either way, I think all the guys that played in the Olympics are going to be poised for good seasons because representing your countries, a lot of them are saying, shit, man, I'll take a gold medal over an NBA championship ring any day. And I think just the pride they felt from that, I think is going to be a way that they're able to hit the ground running for all these players, you know, Evan Fournier, uh, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is someone I think is going to have a really good bounce back season or he's going to shit the bed. We'll see. But yeah, all these guys that played in the Olympics, I think are poised for good, good seasons. All right, with that, let's shift over to Michael Jordan's team, the Charlotte Hornets. Coming from the team that had the most disappointing season, we're looking at a team that had one of the most surprising seasons with the Charlotte Hornets. As it stands right now, they got a core of Scary Terry, Lamelo, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and PJ Washington. Again, I think coming into last year, nobody really expected the Charlotte Hornets to be even be fighting for a playoff spot. Well, I mean, that's only really because of the play-in. But LaMelo Ball is that dude. I think if he was starting from the get-go as well as not getting injured, I believe they could have potentially snuck into that 7 or 8 spot. So they only had to win one game, but obviously that didn't happen and blah, 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 blah. The Charlotte Hornets are going to be a really fun team to watch again because last year they were arguably one of, if not the most fun teams to watch, particularly with their announcer. Regardless, here are the players I picked to pop off. 
obviously, this is like the most obvious pick, I got LaMelo. Coming off of his rookie year, I think the main thing I saw with LaMelo was that he looked incredibly comfortable. That was so weird. He looked he looked very comfortable in his rookie year. I think comfort is something that is undervalued in the league. Comfort is seen in how he did a bit of everything on the court. Obviously, he's the youngest player to get a triple-double. But either way, I think LaMelo coming into this year, he's definitely not someone I see having a sophomore slump. I think he's going to take that next step up. Could make an argument for an all-star spot if he really, really, really balls out. LaMelo Ball, man gonna have a good season next up i got kelly Oubre jr you know team light skin over here baby <laughs> sorry i think he's gonna have plenty of starts with gordon hayward's injury history uh he's a really good three and d wing who could score a lot of catch and shoot threes off Lamelo dimes i think he could benefit in minutes where the hornets want a larger lineup he could be that big two i'm going off of that since he's listed as shooting guard on espn even though i know he plays a lot of three but Kelly Oubre, I think, is another guy who's coming off a disappointing season, had one of the worst starts to his career, and shot not a career-low three-point percentage, but there was that beginning of the season where everybody was saying, like, man, this dude is fucking cheeks. <laughs> but regardless, Kelly Oubre, man, only player to get a tech for arousing the rest, baby. Now, let's get into the players who are gonna, who are gonna slump. Here, I have PJ Washington. I'm not saying that all the outside noise is going to go to his head. However, I think that will play a factor in his season. Personally, I think he shouldn't have to pay, but I'm not here I'm not here to discuss that. <laughs> no, nah, but PJ Washington, I think is a guy that still really has potential to be not necessarily a star, but a good a good starter. The only reason I'm picking him to slump is because I believe he will come off the bench more just because we obviously saw the chemistry with Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball, you know, Airbnb really come to fruition in the first bit of the season. I think because of that, James Borrega will think to start those two together just so, you know, that could be their one-two punch with Scary Terry being a demon. And I think PJ Washington is just a guy who's going to get lost in the shuffle. Could be could be in that six-man role, but either way, still got lots of hopes for PJ Washington. I think he still has a chance to be a really good player. However, if I'm thinking who's going to slump, that's who I got there. Now, player I got getting traded. I got Jalen McDaniels here. Just another guy searching for greener pastures. He's been a lot of guys for wing minutes. Would not be mad if the Bucks got him. I don't know if that's even possible. But yeah, Jalen McDaniels is a guy that could potentially be that second round steal. Uh, had a lot of, a lot of good bright spots in this season when he did start. However, he's obviously in a situation where I don't think he'll be able to flourish as much as he would want to. Because you got like Kelly Oubre, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington. That's four guys. And, you know, I would believe the typical NBA rotation, especially come playoff. Actually, no, come playoff time, you're only playing like eight or nine deep. But four, four wing spots out of potentially a 10-man rotation where you got to have backups at all positions. I just don't think there's time or there's the space for Jalen McDaniels to get any solid amount of runs. So... I think he could be a player that gets traded. If I were to trade him, I would trade him for big man vets, you know? Potentially a guy like James Johnson that could protect LaMelo if, like, shit gets real. But either way, Jalen McDaniels is a guy I think still has a lot of potential. I just don't know if it'll be fully realized in Charlotte. Now, let's head over to another team that had a really surprising season. Now, coming from the team that had a surprising season we're here with the team that had the most surprising season again like i mentioned earlier i was someone who was very high on the atlanta hawks you know they got a lot of young pieces a lot of young guys that could really contribute to winning culture there they got a 
the Magic City Wings, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> either way, the Atlanta Hawks were a team that I don't think anyone had penciled in for the conference finals. I was definitely someone that was really anticipating that Bucks and Sixers matchup. However, with Ben Simmons shitting the bed and Trey Young becoming a demon, hey man, they were able to pull it off and get to the conference finals when nobody even really had them pegged for the playoffs at one point in the season. As it stands right now, I would consider their core to be Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, and Kevin Herter. Now, here are the players I'm picking to pop off, and this is actually going to be one coach as well. Got Kevin Herter here. He's coming off a good playoff run. Proved the moment wasn't too big for him. And I think he's instilled a lot of confidence in both himself and his coaches. He can be the premier too in Atlanta. I think he's a guy that you're obviously not going to get, or not obviously, you're not necessarily going to get big, big 20, 30 points per games from him. However, he's a nice two guard. He gives you a lot of size. I think he's 6'7", which is really big for a two-car. I think that's how big Duncan Robinson is. But either way, Kevin Herter is a guy I think is poised for a really good season. Again, I think he was one of the really, really big bright spots on that playoff run. And really held it down when Trey Young went out for that one game. But yeah, I got Kevin Herter. Definitely, definitely poised for a good year. Could be another six-man candidate, maybe. Because they'd obviously start Bogdan at the two. But, but who knows? We'll see. All right. As I said earlier, I got a coach here to pop off. I got Nate McMillan. I think he is one of the biggest X-Factors in the upcoming battle in the East. Had a 27-11 and 11 record when he took over because prior to that, obviously Atlanta was shitting the bed. I think a full season with him will be interesting. A lot more time for experimental, you know, not experimental, a lot more time for potential experimentation. Damn, that word is fucking me up. Let me try this one more time. There's going to be more time for potential experimentation. There we go. But for real, I think with a full season under Nate McMillan, the Hawks are really poised to really hit the ground running again. Nate McMillan, I think, is somebody that I don't necessarily think deserved to be fired, but I also understand because they got swept or was it one game? I don't know. Yeah, Nate McMillan, I think, is another one of those former player coaches that I think is very relatable to players some guy that I think can really get people to you know buy into the system obviously that's a reflection of the fact they had a 27 and 11 record and made it all the way to the fucking Eastern Conference Finals regardless Nate McMillan is a guy I can see winning coach of the year even but either way I'm very excited to see how he does with a full season at the helm for the Atlanta Hawks now player I think is gonna slump hate to do this to my guy because we share a name but Danilo Gallinari uh, he's averaged lower numbers from the past, from the last few years alone. He's relegated to a bench role. I think he can be still solid as a bench player. However, what's the definition of a slump? Having lower numbers than you're used to, right? Particularly with the NBA. That's something that happened with him. So it's a slump regardless. But I think Danilo Gallinari is just in that twilight of his NBA career where he's more better suited as a bench role. That's not bad. However, he's obviously not the starter that he once used to be. Now, with the player I'm picking to get traded, this is somebody that I'm very, very high on again. I got Cam Reddish here. Dropped 21 in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Fucking shot insanely from the field. 58% from the field, and he basically shot 86% from 3. That is fucking insane. I think he could definitely be a piece on a rebuilding team. If I were to pick, it's another team I'm really high on because I love De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, but I would love to see Sacramento get him. However... I'm not entirely convinced that would work out, obviously, with Harrison Barnes being the starter there. With Cam Reddish, he's a guy who can play good D and can shoot the ball. Those are two things that are probably the most attractive traits to see in a player together. But if I were to trade him, I think it'd be for more veteran presence. You know, an enforcer that could protect Trey if more Knicks-Hawks moments happen. 
which evidently I think will happen regardless because Trey Young has definitely catered himself this image of being a villain, which I love. It's like I don't watch wrestling, but it's like when there's like they call them heels. But regardless, Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks are gonna have a really really good fucking season, and I'm excited to watch them. Except they're gonna stink it up against the Bucks because yeah, I love my Bucks. Alrighty, last but not least. Let's head over to the U.S.'s capital. We got the Washington Wizards. All right, so the last team we got in the Southeast Division is obviously the Washington Wizards. They're coming off a season where they got gentlemen swept by the Sixers. But they're also one of those first teams to make the NBA playoffs through the play-in, which is really exciting. I really like the idea of the play-in, but that's not what we're here to talk about. So the core as it is right now, I would view to be Bradley Beal, Thomas Bryant, Rui Hachimura, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Kyle Kuzma. I'd really like to throw Daniel Gafford in there, but I'm not entirely sure, which kind of defeats the purpose of later on. But either way, here are the guys I'm picking to pop off. Obviously, like I said in the take of the day, we got Kyle Kuzma. He's in a position to get back on track, could potentially be the Robin to Bradley Beal. All I'm going to say. He's definitely in the right situation with the right mindset to have the right time to pop off. That didn't really make any sense, but I hope y'all know what I mean. I think he's in a situation where he's away from all the LA lights. I think that's a big reason why he kind of crashed and burned after his second or third season in the league. Not Okay, not crash and burn, but you know what I mean. Definitely disappointing compared to his other seasons. But again, we're looking at the potential Robin in my opinion. Another guy who might be that, I'm not sure. We got Rui Hachimura. He's the bias pick of today. Uh, he's coming off a season that was like not worse or better than his rookie season. So, you know, solid season. I think with Rui, he will continue to establish a level of comfort. However, I'd like to see him expand his range. He only had 2.43 attempts from per game from last season. However, obviously he's not like a Bradley Beal where he's got a green light. But I'd like to see him take a few more threes. Because again, three is more than two. And the last pair I picked to pop off here is Daniel Gafford. I think he will eventually become the starter with Thomas Bryant coming off a torn ACL. Uh, I like to see him play 20 plus minutes per game. And I think he can showcase that he was a steal in the draft because he was the 38th pick, if I'm not mistaken. Daniel Gafford is someone that I really think flourished last year. He had a career stint there. I think he, that was the first time he averaged double digits. However, I think a lot of those definitely came off either Westbrook misses or passes, so we'll see how it shapes up this year with Spencer Dinwiddie as his point guard. But either way, I think these three guys are in positions to really instill their names into the basketball world and really insert themselves into conversations where they might necessarily not have been at before. Now, player I'm picking to slump, Contavious! No, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, he's going to be relegated to a bench role but he could still provide solid 3 and D minutes off the bench. He's coming with champion experience. I think he'll have a dip in performance. He's not. He doesn't have LeBron to yell at him anymore. I don't know if he's going to take yelling by Bradley Beal too well, but we'll see. Moving on, last but not least, the player I think is going to get traded. I've got Denny Avdia here. Uh, lackluster rookie year, coming off an injury. I think we're looking at potentially a Markel Fultz type beat. And I believe Corey Kispert who plays the same position, fits the team more. Just because Corey Kispert's a guy who's very lethal from the three. I think Denny Avdia has that capability, but that's not one of his main weapons. And I think with a team built around a guy like Bradley Beal that kind of is all over the court where he's able to hit you from, having a guy like Kispert is similar to how Giannis has guys he can kick out two for three. 
not saying they're any they're on that level, but you catch the vibes, you catch the vibes, you know what I mean? <laughs> but either way, if I were to trade him, I trade for more three and D wings, somebody like a Kelly Oubre Jr., but that is someone I do not see getting moved. However, that is somebody I think is the kind of archetype they should look to get back. With Rui and Kyle being their main wings, I would say. Uh, they're guys that can shoot the ball, but aren't shooting at a constant clip. I think you need someone that's shooting, you know, right around that nice sweet spot, 40%, baby. And I think Denny Evdia can definitely get you that, because he's still a rookie. Or not rookie, he's coming into his sophomore season. Still has, still has like, oozing potentials. Denny Evdia is one of those players that I heard about before the draft, and I don't even really pay attention to the draft, just because he's one of those young guys in... Actually, he's from Israel, I think. But either way, he's one of those young guys that was playing overseas that was really, really, like, popping off. However, I just don't know if Washington's going to be the place for him to really reach his ceiling just because they're in win-now mode and there are a lot more experienced guys ahead of him. But with that, we're going to go into another short break before we head into the little conclusion as I rank the team. So I'll see y'all in a bit. So this is the first time we're going to do this for the They Got Next little mini-series. I definitely should have done it at the beginning, but, you know, c'est la vie. We're going to do it now. So, at the bottom, I obviously got the Orlando Magic. They're in complete rebuild mode. I think they're going to give all the minutes to their young guys and not really focus too much on winning. Above them, got the Washington Wizards. You know, I love Bradley Beal. However, I think with the other teams, I just don't see them outperforming them. Up next... Got the Charlotte Hornets. They're coming off with the Rookie of the Year. You know, Terry Rozier really showed that he's not washed up. The Charlotte Hornets are poised for a good season. And I'm very excited to watch some Hornets basketball, especially with their announcers. Up next, I'm going to go with the Heat. So you know who is at the top here. I think the Miami Heat are a team that I think needs to show me that, you know, they're back. Obviously, because again, last year, they probably had the most disappointing season out of everyone. I'm still excited to watch Miami Heat, especially those matchup with the Bucks, just because I think they are kind of like, not like intense rivals, but Giannis coming off of his most dominant season, winning MVP and DPOI to go out in the manner that he did in the bubble against Miami, I think will forever leave a, not disdain, but you know, a little, little chink in the armor there, I'd say. And you already know what that means. At the very, very top. The cream of the top of the Southeast Division. Ice trade again. No, but I got the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are a team I think are, again, a lot of fun to watch. And very excited to see them this year. Because I don't know if they necessarily saw them succeed as much as they did. Obviously, they're not going to say, oh, I think our ceiling right now is maybe we get out the first round. But you know what I mean? Nobody saw them making the conference finals. And they made that crazy run. Honestly, if the Bucks did not make the Eastern Conference Finals, I would have definitely been cheering for Atlanta. But either way, I think Atlanta's poised most of all for the best season out of these teams. However, we already know the NBA is very, very, very hard to judge. So we don't need, uh, who knows, we could look back on this. I probably will look back on like all my takes of the days and stuff like that throughout the season, see how they're shaping up to be. We'll see if what I'm saying is complete bullshit or complete facts. With that, we have come to the end of this episode. Super appreciate y'all for tuning in. Hope you'll have a good Friday, or if you're watching this on another day, a good Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Y'all know what I mean. Hope you have a good day in general. And remember, there are a lot of guarantees in life. You know, death, taxes. The one thing you can always bank on, though, is bucks and six. Have a good one. Yeah, bucks and six.
Buck 10-6 always. That's, that's for the culture.